All right, hello. Welcome to the Cosmic Eye Show. I am Jason Napolitano. It is Sunday night, and Mr. Chris Sheridan is on the line. We're happy to have him here. How are you doing, Chris? Oh, I'm happy to be here. Man, me too. Yeah. By God, me too. I was not certain before, but I am here. <laughs> you are here and you're happy at the same yeah. time. That is that is something something to behold. So today I think was a line from Ringo, right? I'm I'm just happy to be here. Actually, you're right. Good call. Well, I'm just happy to be in the bind. Good call. <laughs> <laughs> Always the always just the, the 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 most mellow and kind of um, along for the ride of the Beatles, Ringo. But well, there's a great lesson in that for all of us. Not this. untalented, certainly talented as well. Mm -hmm. You know, they just go with it and be. Hey, I'm just part of the band. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sometimes we need that in our lives. Big time, big to time. Be anyway. I think so. It's kind of like that. That we were talking about this a little bit before you when you mentioned Ram Dass before we got on uh, to the show. It's like this idea of be here now. I mean, there are those those characters that that really can kind of embody that, and and we'll probably talk about that a little bit. That just occurred to me. That'll be something interesting to talk about. Uh, so today uh, in the show, it's kind of a it's kind of a, a loose subject, but I think it's going to be a really valuable one. So you guys are going to want to stay tuned to to this one and stick with us. Um, as we follow our, our winding path to, to wisdom that we do each week. Um, we are going to talk about lessons from esoteric wisdom, psychological implications, etc. Uh, things that you can learn uh, from this, uh, this latest lockdown that we're going to be experiencing, most of us. Um, and again, regardless of you know what you think about that or regardless of 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 the you know the sort of political and social implications of it we're really kind of going beyond all of that and the scientific you know limitations of our knowledge in terms of this virus and so on. we're kind of, we're moving beyond that and we're moving into the realm of of psychology and imagination and the esoteric in order to try to understand what we what we can learn from this and how we can move through this uh this time of isolation uh, you had a great phrase uh, that you that you said, and I've already, for some reason, I've already forgotten it. Always because I was thinking about other things. But what was the isolation phrase here? Oh, it was forced introversion. Forced introversion. I love it. I love it. So we're going to talk about that. Thankfully, you made notes. Uh, so we'll, we'll stick to stick to the ideas that we we came up with. Um, so that is our topic today, and I think uh, you're going to get a lot out of it. So so do like I said, stick with us, follow us down the rabbit hole, as it were. Um, my book is If You Can Worry, You Can Meditate. Chris's book is The Spirit in the Sky. And of course, we're here every week uh, on Sundays. And then we have our Friday show, our Emmett Fox Friday show. And you can get our books on Amazon. You can check us out at CosmicEye.org. And if you would like, and we would appreciate it greatly. And also, we appreciate those who are uh, making donations to us. Thank you guys so much. Uh, happy holidays to you all. Uh, thank you again for your, for your generous support. Uh, but you can do that through anchor.fm slash cosmic eye. And that helps uh, support Chris and I to keep the show moving forward. And we're trying to get it out to more people. And so if you can share it with your friends, share it on social media and so on, we'd greatly appreciate that as well. Uh, so on to our topic today. Here we go. Let us jump in feet first. Uh, I, I don't know how to dive, so I have to jump in feet first. Um, I'm, not a, I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm not a great swimmer. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a great swimmer into the unconscious waters of, uh, of the underworld, uh, but the physical waters of this plane, not so great. Not so great. Uh, so that, in fact, that's kind of what we're talking about. That is one of the first things that we're going to talk about in this show. It's like um, this lockdown, and we've, we've talked about this before to some, to some degree in some of the earlier shows, but we're really getting into it deeply today, is a situation of what Chris eloquently put as forced introversion. And for most of us, not all of us, but for most of us in the US and in the Western world, it is not something we would probably choose to do. Would you agree with that? I mean, most, most individuals are probably not choosing to isolate themselves and choosing to be at home all day long and not be able to do their normal social things, right? Well, I wouldn't know the proportion, but I would say there are definitely, I would assume there would be as many extroverts as there are introverts in the world. Um, 
and yeah, this would, is a foreign it's a environment. Foreign. Yeah, I would, I would argue, and I, not to contradict you, but I would argue that particularly the United States is probably um, largely made up of extroverted sensation types, if you know anything about Jungian typology, which, you know, generally speaking, you know, business people and people that are really into sports and people that are, you know, very physical and very hands-on and so on and, and action-oriented, it, it fits the sort of archetypal character of of america to a large degree and it's one of the reasons why we rub certain cultures the wrong way okay um, i got you on that that makes sense now because you know it's even if you might not think of yourself as being an extrovert mm -hmm. because you live in this society and yep. maybe up until COVID times but um that you know, you're forced into getting into your car and going out in the world and going to the job or going to school or going to, you know what I mean? It, it's almost like forced upon you, this extroversion in a way, yep. to move in the world, just you have in the West or especially in, in the United States, um, you have to get on board with it, whether you feel like it or not. So yes, I would say in that case, it includes that. Yes, we are I would, the majority, um, or at least extrovert, uh, having to be extroverted yeah yeah certainly and so it's a kind of the even if there are exceptions to the rule i would argue i think it's like you said uh the culture itself is an is an extroverted sensation oriented culture which is why uh we come up with such great inventions and why we're so innovative and why we're you know we have this sort of john wayne mentality and this idea of 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 action first and thinking later and so on uh, which again, you know, it, it's it, I'm not, I don't say that to, to 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 in a pejorative way. It's just it's just kind of a, it's a fact. I mean, you can look at the way that we deal with things, um, national and international crises, and and you know um, national emergencies and economic issues and so on. I mean, our our the virus itself, our sort of way of dealing with most challenges is to take action, whether or not it is the right action. Um, we're not one to sit on our hands and kind of like philosophize through things and really investigate an issue till it's, you know, completely thought out and well-defined. We'll, we'll kind of, um, you know, we'll take action. And I think that's, it has, it again, like anything else, you know, like pontificating too much or thinking about stuff too much, it has its pluses and minuses to it. So, uh, but the the real point though, is that for the most part, and I, and I think most people would agree, you know, this is an extroverted on, you know, culture in the main. And so uh, probably most people are not too well adjusted to the isolation uh, and the forced introversion. Uh, the other side of it is that, you know, there's this idea in a way, uh, this is one thing I wanted to touch on. Uh, in a way, this is like midlife for most people. Uh, the classic midlife crisis. What what usually happens is, as in, in Jung's schema of of the psyche and of psychological development, generally speaking, around midlife, there's that there's this idea of the enantiodromia, which is the turning to the opposite, so that essentially you will, at midlife, if you are extroverted, suddenly be forced into introversion and you're very uncomfortable with it and you're suddenly aware of all this psychic landscape that you weren't aware of before and it causes you often to make uh, very, take very crazy actions in your life like uh, because you, you sort of, let's say for example, you're a wealthy business person that, you know, has been an entrepreneur and, you know, owns all this this stuff and you know and it has great responsibilities you'll suddenly sell everything off and you know run off to europe to, to to play guitar and you know wander the streets and sleep outside or something you know it has this this very strong effect of causing people to really turn to the opposite of what they're they've been used to you know because there's no at a certain point there's no juice there's no pull there's no magnetic sort of psychological substance um, that pulls you, you know, to, to that, to that thing that once oriented you. So it's, it's, it's interesting because in this lockdown sort of world that we're in, where most people are in their homes much, much more than they were. And, 
can't do the things they wanted to do and don't have the social connections. It's, it is, like you said, it's a forced introversion. It pushes you into an area that you're not comfortable with, that you didn't ask for, and that you probably don't want. And it isn't even in line with your, your psychology or your psyche uh, in terms of like, let's say, you know, and it may be corresponding with a lot of people because a lot of people are obviously in midlife right now. So, I mean, you know, they're, they're, it's okay for them in some ways because it's, you know, it's par for the course. But I think about who it's, you know, it's particularly difficult on people that are young, you know, that are still in that very extroverted stage of their life, trying to build their lives and so on. And they're very social and they're trying to find their way out there in the world. Um, kids, it's particularly difficult on kids. I think it's particularly difficult on the elderly as well, because, you know, the elderly, although they've been through midlife and they are more introverted and they, you know, they have learned to live a more inner life still, you know, especially if you're retired, you need those, that social interaction, right? You need that, um, you need that routine of going out and, you know, whether it's playing, you know, bingo or shuffleboard or you're getting out and, you know, playing mahjong or something with the, with the other ladies or whatever you're doing. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that kind of social uh, net and connection is, is, is lost to a large degree to older people. Because, and, and they're the ones oftentimes that are most susceptible to the virus, too. So it's like it's a very, it's a very challenging situation. So we're going we're gonna to talk more about those kind of things. Um, you have anything to add to that? Well, that's a good point, kind of bringing up the, you know, the full range of people that are affected by it. And to that, I would just add, um, whether you're, you know, in a risk category or one that really needs the uh, extroversion or social contact um, or not, even if you're maybe mostly introverted, um, just having a little bit of social interaction, just having a little bit of you know, activity out in the world can be enough. You don't have to be fully oriented that way. Yeah, as a balancing factor, and the the person who's you know really out there all the time, oh, maybe they need to pause and spend a little time uh, with the inner world. Uh, but just as a balancing factor, it's not there. Yes, you can sit the kid down at a computer and do the distance learning um, class, but then you got to take them outside and you know run them around like the, you know would have recess or lunch or. You know, it just is a balancing part or part of a, a full life um, that has sort of been also restricted or um, unavailable or not as readily available now. Yeah, exactly. It's it's interesting because I, I'm wondering, like, I'm wondering what effect it's going to have on younger people um, and on 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 people that are, you know, really heavily extroverted that aren't ready to deal with their uh, introverted sort of outlooks and, you know, deal with the psyche and things like that. Um, you know, in the long, in the long run, I, I, I wonder how this will kind of affect people in the, in the coming years, if it'll, you know, if it'll mature them or if it will, um, you know, and again, it probably it comes down to individuals and how they deal with, it, and we're going to talk, talk more about that and maybe some ideas about how to use this time productively as well and some of the lessons that can be learned from it. But I just kind of, I wonder, you know, if without, uh, you know, some kind of like guidance and a little bit of perspective on it and some, some, some structure and some, some ancient wisdom applied to it and some psychological stuff, especially the Jungian outlook and so on, like, you know, how, how that's going to affect people down the line. Will it make, like, for example, once we, you know, get back to quote unquote normal, if that happens anytime soon, you know, will people just be like, a, you know, a pit bull let off a chain? Like they're just ready to run around and just like get crazy and, you know, want to play and want to, you know, you know, want to do whatever, you know, it's like, you just, you just, you, you know, all of a sudden you're, you're off your, your tether basically and just running free and crazy. Like, will there be a massive, you know, uh, upshot up in like, you know, partying and traveling and, you know what I'm saying? And like, yeah, like the floodgates and, let loose and it all. Yeah, like, will, yeah. Or will people be afraid to go out? Or will people be afraid? It's clear. Right? It's an, it's everything's an, clear. Everything's cured. It's all gone. No more, no more virus. And yeah, I know, but. They're looking out their window. They could be but, there, you know, right? You know what I mean? It, or you're the or what's the next thing? You know? yeah. 
or, or worse yet, you may just not even know what to do. You may have, you know, some people may have lost or never really got to fully develop. Yeah. Or lost touch with those skills of social interaction. Then it becomes awkward and uncomfortable. Uh, what normally, I guess, and I'll use in a kind of older normal, uh, would normally be, you know, manageable at the very least and maybe pleasant as well, might be completely awkward and foreign. We may not know how to interact with each other. I, yeah, I, 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 I fear that may be the case, especially for young people, because a lot of them haven't had that, the socializing and the sort of normative socializing experience that the, that the previous generations have had because of computers and technology and because of a certain kind of overprotected parenting style that has sort of hindered them from, from acting out like kids should and learning how to mix it up and learning how to have fights and get over it and learning how to deal with bullying and, and, and the things that, you know, 30, 40 years ago, your parents didn't deal with bullies and, you know, and, and I'm not saying that's good or bad, but um, no one knew about the things that were going on with kids. Being a young person was like a secret world. You didn't rat out people in your world. It was very rare when people would go to their parents and talk about somebody doing something to them. Or if you did, you know, your dad would smack you and tell you, you know, grow up, deal with it yourself, you know, or, yeah. or, or, or your mom would call the principal and the principal would say, yeah, I got, you know, I got 2000 kids here. What do you want me to do about it? You know what I'm saying? And so it was a different time and, and place in some ways. And so it's like, in some ways, though, in some ways, and I'm not talking about like, you know, this really hardcore, like, you know, bullying to the point where people lose their minds and end up shooting up a school. But in, you know, in some ways it was, you know, there was something good about having to learn how to deal with those kinds of things and stand up for yourself uh, and deal with the challenges of, of the world and so on. And so anyway, that, you know, I think a lot of that has been taken away from them and they just don't know how to deal with those things. And also there's, there's a difficulty and you can see it when you speak to younger people. If you're older, you recognize this. If you're younger, you don't because you, you, it's just, you take it for granted. There's a lack of eye contact. There's a lack of comfort in, in communication. There's an inability oftentimes with younger people to be able to ask for things that they want in a clear way. And there's a definite frustration when they have to deal with, um, explaining things or trying to make themselves understood to certain individuals, older people in particular, because there's a, a language, there's a little bit of a language gap. And I'm, it's always true with, you know, young people and older people, but there's also that added, like you said, there's an added feeling of awkwardness. I don't think, I don't want to speak, I'm not speaking of a whole generation and I'm certainly not trying to put anyone down when I say this, but it feels like there's an awkwardness and a discomfort in terms of dealing with people face to face. Um, and I, and I think that's a product of all of the digital, the digital world that they've been reared in. Do you think that's, that's true? Well, yes, because of the digital world and, you know, social media and having, you're actually carrying on uh, the friendship or having that social interaction in a closed off distance way that's not face to face. Yeah. Parts that, you know, used before, you know, the digital revolution uh, had to be done in person or at the very least over the phone. The phone is probably a gateway thing. You mm -hmm. know, the teenager in the 50s or the 60s, you know, um, talking on the phone all day, you know, with their friends, um, you know, that it's, it's kind of a virtual thing, but you are, at least in real time, connecting with somebody, uh, the voice, you know, voice call, but yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I think just, just because it's taking up uh, space that was normally filled with face-to-face -face contact is now being substituted, uh, maybe somewhat satisfied uh, with doing it digitally, uh, but it's also, it's a place to retreat to. And, you know, I think what I'm looking at with some of these you know, we're talking about different groups, some that maybe already were introverted and now they're kind of thrown into this, um, this lockdown uh, 2.0, I guess we'd call it. Um, but for somebody to get thrown into this world that's maybe not used to it or comfortable with it, uh, think of somebody who's 
you know, grown up in the suburbs or, you know, in the city, um, and they haven't spent much time out in the woods. And then you throw them out there with a sleeping bag and a tent and, you know, a couple of days worth of food and, and see what happens. You know, a lot of them would freak out. They wouldn't know what to do. They wouldn't know the first thing to do. Mm -hmm. Other people might be, you know, and certainly in an earlier time, 100 years ago, you know, probably the majority of the people would know what to do, <laughs> at least to, you know, camp out for a couple of nights. Uh, but maybe you throw them into a city or a social situation. Uh, they may not be well prepared for it. I think a lot of people just aren't prepared for this type of a lockdown. And then the people that were already, in a sense, locked down <laughs> or carrying out things in this introverted way, uh, I think it's, it's actually a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. It's kind of cutting both ways. It's not allowing the nurturing of the, the human contact. Uh, and it's also even making us suspicious of that. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, I think what will will be something necessary as time goes on, and certainly after this, I, I almost it's it almost reminds me. That was a great analogy, by the way. Thank you. Um, the, the corollary to that, before I, before I go on with what I was going to say, is is that uh, it's 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 in a sense it's like. You know, this, the introversion, the forced introversion, the, the isolation at home and the spending more time with yourself and, you know, and, and, and kind of, you know, more quiet and less social uh, sort of distractions and things like that. It has the sort of same effect as, like, like you said, moving from the city out into this empty country. Um, but, you know, the, the, I guess the sort of psychological uh, corollary to that is, you know, suddenly going from, you know, an outer directed life, you know, where friends and, you know, family meetings and work and school and, you know, sports events and, you know, um, social events and clubs and, you know, going out to see DJs, whatever you're doing, like suddenly you're suddenly transformed into the, the, the inner world from the outer world to the inner world. So it's from the, you know, the outer to, to the, to the inner of the psychic life. And, you know, really in some ways, as um, we talked a bit about this before we got onto this, um, onto the show, uh, it, you know, it may or may not be ap appropriate for that age. You know, Jung, Jung, for example, when he saw, uh, when he saw younger people, you know, people in their 20s or even in their early 30s, family people or people that were trying to adjust out, like, he would deal with, you know, um, adjusting to life, you know, the stages of life stuff, you know, the moving out of the house, the, you know, the um, settling into a career, the, you know, the raising of a family, getting married, you know, the, the normal sort of life cycle things. Um, uh, and he would deal with those, those issues for, for, for younger people. Uh, when, mid, you know, clients that were in their midlife that were past that in a sense, you know, in development, even if, you know, physically they, you know, they, they or I shouldn't say physically, but even if in the external world they, they hadn't achieved all those things, he would still deal with them um, dealing with the inner life, you know, that, that, that sort of introverted state that one goes into. You just become more sort of introverted and more, generally speaking, more in, inner-oriented uh, at midlife. And it happens at different, you know, different ages for different people. Some people fight it. You know, so they'll try to stave it off until they're, you know, 70 or something. Generally speaking, you know, it happened earlier in the past. It's now happening, it seems like, anywhere between 45 and 60 uh, in the United States. But, of course, we're a youth-oriented culture, so we fight things uh, like this. But, it, you know, that's the thing. It's like, so when you take a 20-year-old whose normal maturation process is to, you know, find a mate, uh, to settle down, to start a career, to start a family, to start a business, to, you know, start an art career or a career as a, you know, a writer, whatever you're doing. I mean, it's going to involve some sort of external thing where you're trying to establish yourself out there, quote unquote, out there in the world, right? And so it's not necessarily appropriate to deal with every, you know, inner issue that you might have to deal with when you're 45 or 50 years old. There's kind of a different set of, of things going on. So again, it's like if, you know, you, you, you may or may not be experiencing those things during this isolation, depending on your age. Um, so, you know, it's important to remember that, you know, if you're, you know, if you're not adjusting to this well and you're feeling really anxious and you're wondering what's going on, perfectly normal, perfectly normal. I think about, you know, if I, you know, if, if you, you know, when you're in your 20s, I mean, 
you would you have lost your mind being in, inside the house all all damn day? In my twenties, I was on tour with a rock band. So yeah, there you no, go. So the answer then is a, is a um, rem- yes. <laughs> we didn't have computers like this, you know. So uh, well, let me add on to that because you know what you're saying is that somebody's been they're being deprived of something. Uh, maybe that this kind of a normal thing, or they're being pushed into an introspective uh, orientation. Sure. Uh, when when it's not really age appropriate or, or stage stage of development stage appropriate journey. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, to add to that, unfortunately, is the deprivation of those ritualistic experiences uh, that are in the outer world, like you're talking about finding a mate doing this. Uh, even though they're kind of normal parts of society, it's, there is ritual to them. You know, you go out, you make eye contact, you do this, you do, and, and, or graduation or ceremony. Um, things like that, or holidays now, of course, is, is becoming an issue with, you know, can we celebrate, and if so, how. Um, if we're being deprived of rites of passage, and you know, what are, in some ways, you know, rituals of, of the culture, uh, because they do involve connecting with other people, and how we connect with other people, uh, how we establish ourselves in the world, how we uh, settle down. Um, you know, so we're not getting these rites of passage. We're not experiencing these you know, ritual events that uh, really take place in the outer world. Even you know the, the great religious traditions or you know mystery schools that is you think, wow, it's really philosophical, it's cerebral, it's in your head, or it's very spiritual. It's all in the cloud. I'm going to sit here and meditate. There's very physical activities, rites of passage lessons, uh, ritualized, um, you know, well, rituals, you know, spirit ritual, you're engaging the body and the senses and everything, uh, whether it's the corn dance of the Hopi or, uh, you know, Masonic, uh, you know, ritual that takes place in the basement or something, you know, there's something involves the body as well uh, to get the inner lesson. So I think that's also kind of going on with this you know, being kind of forced inside, we're not getting uh, what maybe naturally we were getting in the outer world, this sense of you know, ritual connection with, uh, with ourselves and other people. That's a great point. That's a great point. And, you know, it, you know it's, we didn't uh, do this show to, you know, to point out a bunch of things that are, you know, uh, sort of negative about what's going on. Uh, but we do have to recognize some of the challenges and be realistic about where we are and some of the some of the anxieties and uh, depressing things that may come up during this uh, so that we can address them and so that we can try to move forward uh, in the best way possible and 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 really you know at try to at least take advantage of a situation uh, that is not asked for and is you know somewhat of a forced uh, issue uh, for, you know, and use it for the, for, for the best we can, you know, make the best of it as it were, you know, take lemons and make lemonade as it were to be real simple, um, about it, you know, and so, so it's, yes, you're going to be missing out on a lot of these outside physical and social things. Um, my advice, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit here and there again about some of the things I think that, you know, we can do to, to sort of work through this. You know, try to get out uh, as much as you can. Try to get fresh air. Try to get exercise outside. Take walks. Go to the park if you have to socially distance. Do do whatever you have to do, uh, and stay safe or whatever. And follow the you know the rules uh, as best you can as you see fit. And uh, but do get yourself out outside. Uh, you know, into the yard. Sit outside for your your morning coffee. Um, you know, take walks around the neighborhood and, you know, get out for drives and things like that. Things that you can do just to kind of physically get outside and, and, and be out there and interact with the world as best you can. Try to connect with people. It's, it's, a, it's a, you know, not the greatest, you know, mode of, of communication, but, um, you know, especially, I would say this for young people, if, especially if you're, you know, you're not very comfortable with, with communication, you know, try to practice. This is a thing that that's a challenge with it. You know, you were talking a little bit earlier about the 50s and people talking on the phone. Even though it's sort of disconnected and you can't see the person, 
you're practicing conversation. You're practicing how to keep a conversation going. You're, you're practicing the rules of what's appropriate and what, you know, what's kind of inappropriate or what pisses people off or what makes them happy. You know, you're learning, you're being socialized through those conversations, through trial and error. Um, my suggestion would be, especially to people, and this, you can be a person of any age, practice doing Zoom calls and FaceTime with people and try to make eye contact with them and do it with a relative or, or, or a very close friend and, and practice it and really, you know, talk about it with that person a little bit. Say, you know what, I'm a little bit uncomfortable about this. Maybe you can help me uh, with, this, with this thing and we'll practice. Uh, practice this. What I think is going to happen after this, this is my prediction, is that after we get over that initial thing you were talking about where people are a little gun shy and a little scared, they're going to want to get back out into the world in full force, but they're going to feel uncomfortable. So I have a feeling people are going to start doing a lot of group work again. And you're going to see things like from the 70s where you see encounter groups and, you know, this kind of psychodrama type stuff where people are acting things out and you know kind of a lot of the stuff that was going on in the 60s and 70s i think you may see a resurgence of some of that kind of stuff because people are going to need to reacclimate themselves to socializing with people and being in groups again um, in a safe in a safe environment i think rushing into going to like malls crammed with people and concerts like with you know people bumping up against each other and going to you know these music festivals and stuff for some people is going to be super over overwhelming after a certain amount of time especially the people that were kind of uncomfortable to begin with so then you spend all this time by yourself and now you're going to get a phobia over it so I'm saying is like, you know, recognize that in yourself. If you see yourself kind of going down this path where like you don't want to go out and you're, you know, you're becoming fearful of going out and stuff, make sure you're working on your, your the, the psychology and stuff so that you don't, you know, find yourself going down a very slippery slope. Um, That's a good point. I, I can see that like group work that has, you know, a, gr a group director, uh, someone yeah. who's going to you know, a program of events and activities that are maybe team building, uh, how to work together, how to ask for which one. Here's one I've, I've experienced uh, and it has to do with uh, climbing a rock wall. Uh, of course, the people who had been through it were in on the secret and they had to be quiet, but uh, there's a group of people and okay, now it's your turn, the new person, you know, try to climb up the, the rock wall and, you know, you try and try by yourself and, you know, you're looking at this and everyone's looking at you and, you know, you're trying to do it and you get so far and, uh, okay, now let's try it again, <clears throat> but we'll put a blindfold on you. And they're like, what? Um, so, and they, the people that are there waited until, you know, she said, oh, um, where do I go? Where do I put my hand? And then they're like, oh, move your right hand up to the, you know, a little higher. Okay, yeah, that's it. Okay, now what do I do with my foot? You know, it forced the person to ask for what they want and to receive help from somebody else and trust that you're climbing up a wall <laughs> with a blindfold yeah. but those types of activities i think are really good because they you know it's communication and what happened almost invariably was the person would get up higher on the rock wall with the blindfold than they would on their own and oh wow. yeah yeah so those kinds of things to reintegrate with people and and maybe maybe get it right, you know, instead of just a free for all, you know, maybe there, are, you know, are at least types of things that we can have in mind and have some sort of a group experience with, so that when we go back out in the world and connect with each other, you know, we'll have some skills or some listening habits, um, you know, being feeling safe to ask for something, or if you do something wrong, and somebody says, oh, that's not the right way to do it, that. You don't clam up and you know shrink at the criticism. You thank them for helping you, you know, with a better, easier way. Yeah, yeah, I can see that for sure. It can, you know, that's the thing. It can be hard to um, to to accept help. It can be hard to take criticism, even if it's constructive. Um, it can be really challenging to deal with that kind of stuff. And I think again, that's another area where, um, you know. Uh, especially for younger people, they haven't uh, necessarily had to deal with that in the same way that maybe a, a, the previous generations have. 
It's been different communication styles and different ways of dealing with things, different emphasis in, in, in education and so on. Um, and so, you know, they just haven't had a chance to practice a lot of people. They're just, just again, it's like the same thing. It's like with the socializing and the, the you know, the eye contact and the, um, and the open communication and the clear speech and communication. If you haven't had, you know, the ability to practice that and then again, and then you're, you know, kind of thrown into this situation where there isn't even the opportunity to do that, like in this, this lockdown situation a lot of people are in, you know, it's going to be pretty challenging to learn how to do that. And that's where I'm saying, you know, find some workarounds uh, to do that. You know, there are online groups that you can do on Zoom. And there are, you know, one-on-one -on -one opportunities with friends and family that you can do face-to-face, -face, even though it's via computer. It's good to just, that face recognition thing, um, you know, seeing a person's face, seeing how they react to what you're saying and really paying attention to it uh, is important and understanding how to, uh, to communicate and to kind of um, uh, make your, you know, your kind of needs known or to be able to be uh, corrected or to learn from somebody else. You know, and all those things are very important in the maturation process, you know, no matter what age you are, you know, we can all get caught up in our own, in our own stuff and sometimes need a little bit of outside, uh, you know, reflection uh, to do that. And so, you know, this is where, you know, this time inside, I, 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 I think it's a lot, it's a very much of a, uh, mythologically speaking, it's very much of an underworld experience. It's like going into the underworld and having to really mess around with, you know, things you don't want to see, shadow experiences and, you know, demons and, you know, dark sides of yourself and so on in some ways. You know, and even if it's not that dramatic, it's still, you know, there's the, there's the demons of, of ennui and depression. There's the de demons of boredom. There's the demons of you know, wasted time. There's a, you know what I'm saying? There's those more benign demons that we have to deal with as well. But um, it's one of these very, like I said, underworld experiences. It's almost like, you know, Orpheus going down to rescue Eurydice or, uh, or something like this, you know, in the underworld. And it's a very sort of Hades oriented kind of experience in some ways, uh, this isolation. Uh, and, and, you know, what can happen really what that, what that, what that, what that kind of represents really is the unconscious. I mean, it's the unconscious part of ourselves. It's, you know, and I, and I, I think that when you spend more time by yourself, I shouldn't say I think this, this is, this is a fact, the more time you spend by yourself, especially in isolation, the more that the unconscious wells up. And then it comes out in dream images, it comes out in feelings, it comes out in depressions and moods, it comes out in obsessions with things um, and so forth. And you can be sure the contents of the unconscious are bubbling up when you, you know, you start to have more vivid and sort of archetypal dreams. Um, you know, when you're kind of breaking into daydream as you're, as you're sitting, you know, staring at your computer or scrolling through, you know, pictures on Instagram or watching TikTok videos or something. And all of a sudden, you know, you've got a, a vivid, a daydream of 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 something that you know is is like larger than life and it's you know it almost you know overwhelms you in a sense and then all of a sudden you're like where the hell did that come from that's the you know that's the unconscious and that's the idea of the underworld and that's the idea of you know hades coming out of the underworld and and um you know capturing persephone and bringing her to the underworld again these are you know mythological ideas and this you know i i would say uh you know since you're in it since you're in this sort of experience where you're in isolation and that unconscious stuff is, you know, study some of that, that mythology, read a bit about the underworld, read the Orpheus mythology and the Demeter mythology. And, um, you know, any well, just, you know, take a stab at it right now. I mean, what gets lost in the underworld gets stolen or, you know, falls into this underworld and it's, you know, Persephone, Eurydice, it's the beauty it's the love sometimes, the uh, more um, sensitive and um, compassionate part of things, uh, yeah. the ethics. Otherwise, it's just cold skill and mechanical ability. Uh, without it, uh, that's that part that gets disconnected. Even uh, some spiritual traditions talk about 
you know, our bodies, you know, living here on earth in a body or with a body or, be, you know, <laughs> um, because of a body or, uh, is that the soul is trapped in matter, that we are in this prison. We are in prison. Our soul is imprisoned in this body, in this planet, that there's some. So this theme of uh, being stuck inside, stored mm-hmm. in the stone, yeah, it's great, uh, great theme in mythology. But I would say we're moving through it right now. Um, for this, yeah, forced upon us in some ways, and you know, sometimes the journey to the underworld isn't really that difficult or long because you're right; these things are coming up. Mm-hmm. It's coming up to meet us, our shadow, things that we've put aside, whether it's unpleasant things about ourselves or maybe old dreams that we haven't nurtured. Some part of our soul is trapped in this, and then these myths become about how does that get rescued? How do you release the sword from the stone? How is this uh, love uh, rescued from uh, from Pluto or Hades in the underworld? And how can that be restored? Uh, that yeah. which has been maybe cut off or somehow separated, just as we think. And we can even look at what's happening. And this is what November 29th, I think, to uh, 2020. We're we're coming up soon next month on the winter solstice, so that days are getting shorter. So we're even getting, you know, with astronomy, we're, we're getting a little more of this darkness, uh, this kind of underworld sense, and then that the sun will then return after the, the solstice, and there will be more lightness than there had been previously during the day, uh, is to bring it back and that warmth. Um, but there is a turning in, and this is a great time to do that. And uh, I know it's a great thing to mention if you're not prepared for it, uh, these myths do tell the story of that. And I guess our job then is to, uh, you know, as individuals is to, okay, see our current story in this myth. And when you do that, then the lesson of the myth, the uh, instruction, how the hero survived uh, becomes then our task to do as we're living this myth right now. Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting, too, because you, you brought up um, the idea of uh, the shortened, shortened days and winter and so on. And, you know, that's one of the meanings of that, that myth of, um, of Hades uh, capturing and bringing uh, Persephone to the underworld and Demeter, who is the, uh, basically the goddess of vegetation and new growth and agriculture, uh, refused to allow anything to grow. So humanity was actually uh, imperiled because she suddenly decided that she didn't want to be generative anymore because her daughter had been taken to the underworld. And so she, she, she talked to Zeus and Zeus really didn't have anything to do about it because Hades is um, his brother and he didn't really want to get involved. But they ended up making a deal basically that, um, that, she, that Persephone could come out of the underworld for three months excuse me, for, uh, for, for, for nine months, and she would have to be in the underworld for three months. Uh, so, you know, that, that was kind of an ideological explanation of winter, but it's also the idea of the soul, like you said, trapped in matter. It's the idea of, of growth and spring and new life and creativity and fecundity and generative capacity, uh, all of these kind of ideas that go along with it. Uh, being, you know, being trapped somewhere, you know, being trapped in the shadow, psychologically speaking. So my, that that might represent your desire to to write that novel or to paint or to start that business or to start that band or, or you know, or learn to 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 cook or you know whatever you're going to do or garden or do something something creative or you know have a child or something. You're afraid of it, maybe. You know, it's it's the idea of of bringing forth something. Um, you know, and it also does represent that, that those, those creative products too, you know, you've got to, you know, to bring them up from the underworld and, and release them into the material world. So there's, there's, I mean, these, you know, these myths are stacked with, 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 with different ideas and you could, you could never say, well, it means just this, or it means just that. And that's what I'm saying. So it's, it's so important to go back and read those myths in, in their, you know, entirety um, and, and think about how, where you are and, and what that means to you, because, you know, they wouldn't still be around 
if they didn't explain something about us, our human, you know, state, human predicament, our lives, you know, they're thousands of years old, probably even older um, than that. And so, you know, they, they've stood the test of time, and that's what the ancient wisdom is about. It's ideas that have withstood, you know, ages of time and still apply. You know, we think we're beyond it because we, we understand a little bit about the brain and we understand a little bit about how the body works. And, you know, we've got technology and we've made great strides in, you know, our digital technology and we've got a, you know, a handheld computer that we can walk around with and all that, and all that stuff is, is, is a, a testament to man's ingenuity. I'll give you that. But, but it doesn't explain why we're here what we're supposed to be doing, how we should act in the world, what's right, what's wrong, how to live a good human life, how to be a creative and valuable citizen. That's what mythology and religion and philosophy are for. Not science. Science doesn't explain those things. Science has its own domain and it's very important and it's very powerful, but it does not explain meaning. It does not tell you what you should do. It doesn't tell you what you should do. That's the realm of philosophy and religion and theology and mythology and story and psychology. Those are the should areas. And so this is one of those times, you know, when you're in these underworld situations that, that meaning has to be just sort of dredged out of this, this underworld. And, you know, it's the perfect opportunity. Like you, do, like you said, that it's the perfect storm because it's like we're forced in on ourselves and we're in this time of you know, shorter days and, you know, there's a natural sort of going within. It's like this, you know, the seeds are dormant and, you know, nature, you know, the trees are bare and there's this whole feeling of, of sort of, of desolation and isolation. But, but you know that spring is coming. You know that spring is coming and that is the beauty of it. You know, so you have to remember that everything is a cycle. There's a season for everything unto, you know, under the sun. And, and so it, it, will, it will become spring again. We will not be in an endless winter. And so I think that's important to remember. That's one thing that these, these myths put, you know, put sort of an emphasis on is the cyclical nature of things. That you know, even if you're down in the underworld, you will come out, you will emerge. And that's, that, don't you think it's important to remember that? It is, and you're also not unprepared. Yeah. You look up to maybe a hundred years ago, uh, it was very common for people to can uh, vegetables uh, that were harvested uh, in the late summer, or you know put them in mason jars, um, you know preserve meats, things like that, so that during this time we are locked in and things don't grow and it's desolate out there, you have enough in your food stores uh, to make it through, you know the winter time. Um, this turning in so yes and that the spring is coming but you're also prepared to make it through until that springtime comes and I think that's really kind of what we're talking about we're because we're in that we're in the winter-ish time now um, with that know it, knowing that it's coming really really helps but while it's uh, while we're waiting for it this is when we release you see this uh, I actually don't know the esoteric tradition but I think it's it's in several uh, as, as many of them are, you know, we, we find them again and again because they're archetypal in nature, is that between the spring equinox and uh, the autumn equinox in the fall, uh, when there is at least as much light, if not more light than there is darkness in a 24-hour period, that's when you take things in, just like the plant does. You take things in, you take things in, uh, you absorb. And then in the winter, from the fall to the spring, uh, through the winter, that's when you release things that you have brought in, just like gathering the crops and then canning them, putting, putting them in preservative jars. Um, and then you have this through the winter, then you release them again, you open the jar. So this is a time uh, where we can actually release some things uh, in ourselves. Now, some good things. What have we stored up? What are the good things we've stored up? over the years um, that maybe we can't get out there and do things now but you know we can share these stories uh, we can remind ourselves of the you know best parts of um, ourselves and other people um, you know we have stored up 
these things that can get us through um, this dark time. And, you know, to kind of go back to the, the myths of uh, being trapped, you know, there's sleeping beauty, you know, this whole, you know, the spirit is asleep uh, theme, or it's the damsel, uh, the maiden who's been uh, Rapunzel in the tower or uh, whisked away uh, by a dragon and held um, in the cave, uh, that it has to be rescued. And I think we can, you know, take on that role uh, and look at these myths as being, okay, we can be the rescuer because what has been trapped is something of value, okay? And I think I don't want anybody to lose value during this time of what's important, even if you can't do what you, you value um, or a lot of things that are very, very important. And sadly, you know, can't, can't be doing them now. Uh, but that what is trapped is precious. What is trapped is beautiful. What is trapped uh, that needs to be rescued and released in this dark time uh, is worthwhile. So I would keep that in mind. Great point. And I think that uh, it's a great time too uh, to take stock of the soul aspect, the psyche aspect of things. In other words, like, you know, we go through our busy lives and we have a, a job or school or, you know, different responsibilities that we have to do and so on. And oftentimes I think we forget uh, about the soul's needs. Uh, this is one of those times where you're forced to look and, and really think about what your soul needs and what it, what it wants. And it, you actually, in many ways, have the time uh, to really investigate that. And so that, like you're saying, you're opening things up that maybe weren't accessible before. So maybe you didn't realize you had a specific desire to, you know, to learn how to be a great cook or something. Maybe you didn't realize you had a specific desire that you, you know, just because you started working on, you know, coloring books or something. Maybe you were doing those, uh, you know, those mandala coloring books to try to, you know, find some focus and peace. And then all of a sudden you're noticing, wow, I'm putting colors together pretty well. I, I really... You know, I remember when I used to like to draw when I was a kid and, and you're discovering things maybe that you that you've forgotten or, mm -hmm. or or didn't even know about yourself. And that's the beauty of the shadow. When you go, it's not, you know, Jung's idea of the shadow and Freud's idea of the unconscious are two very different things. You know, the unconscious and Freud's opinion, and you know, I can understand it was it was a it was a very valuable and specific point of view at the time, but the unconscious held all this dark material of, of, of no value and repressed things that necessarily needed to be repressed. And like, if you opened the lid to them, God forbid, what would happen to civilization? And Jung was like, yes, and there's also gold in them dark hills. There's alchemical gold down there. And so, you know, you realize that along with the things that we necessarily need to repress in order to live in a civilized manner and not murder each other, there's also things that don't quite in, fit into society's notion of who we are, but are very vital to who we are as individuals. And we have to figure out a way to come to terms with those parts of ourselves that are in the shadow that society does or doesn't value, uh, that we may or may not value, um, that may be alchemical gold. In other words, they may be the, the, the lead that you can turn into the gold in your life. And I speak both psychologically, metaphorically, and, you know, in terms of financial success, for example, there may be a skill within you that, you know, can produce the lifestyle that you desire, uh, and you can do it with great integrity and, and in a way that, you know, um, meshes with your inner core and your inner being much better than the way that you, you know, have been making a living, say, for the last 10 years or whatever. And, and that's the beauty of this, this underworld time, this, this shadow time, this winter time that we're experiencing in this, in this, in this lockdown during this winter time. Um, so, but at the same time, you know, going into the unconscious is not to be trifled with. And so you have to remember that you've got to do the work to make sure you're grounded. You're grounded and you don't get lost in in yourself in the dark parts of yourself because that can that can easily happen and i want to warn people to make sure you're you're getting social contact with friends and family 
Make sure if you need psychological care, even if it's something you need to do online or over the phone, you, you maintain that. Uh, if you need to do your recovery work, make sure you're, you're talking to your sponsor. Uh, even if you can't go to meetings, make sure that you can try to do, you know, Zoom work or at least contact people. Make sure you're in contact with people still. Even if it's not as good as being in person, do the best you can to maintain contact with people, uh, even in a virtual way, because it's, it's better than nothing and it will at least kind of keep you grounded. And stay grounded in your body also. You know, do yoga take walks, get out into nature, you know, sit down next to a tree with your spine against its, its trunk and feel the energy of that tree, you know, do things that ground you to the earth because it's really easy to get disconnected from the earth because we spend so much digital time now. Uh, and it's, you know, it's almost the only thing that you can do. Tear yourself away from Netflix, tear yourself away from video games. Uh, you will, I, you know, you will lose your mind spending too much time watching those things and playing those games. You, you really will. Um, you know, and it's not to knock those things, but they're in, you need to do them in moderation and make sure you're monitoring what you're watching. Don't watch all of this crazy, dark, twisted, demented, scary stuff all day long and then wonder why you can't sleep at night. You mean cable news? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dark twisted. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Well, don't obsess over the lockdown or the virus or anything like that. All the numbers exactly. that are being posted. Keep informed, and but it's it we're bombarded by it. So yeah, I like your idea of taking a drive or somehow getting removed from it because we don't have these barriers now that, that we're inside. You know what used to be a commute to work. Sometimes it's the drive home from work where you just you let the you know leave it at the office or you're on the train and you know you can you can do this transitional thing or you know, I guess you know I'll kind of leave this <laughs> uh, because we're inside if you work at home well what's you know is it your office is it the bedroom office is it the kitchen table um, there are really blurred lines now yeah naturally uh, demark uh, demarcated you know that, that aren't now so if you can do something to somehow make your office, you know, uh, or your office time, wherever that is in your personal space, you know, wear certain socks or put on a hat or do, you know, get a, a workman's shirt with your name on it. So, okay, I'm at work and I'm going to put this uh, shirt on or something. Even little things you can, you know, do with your environment or your, your clothes to say, okay, this is work time. And then when I'm done, I take this thing off and I'm not doing at home work now, I'm living my life. Because a lot of these state things can get jumbled up when uh, we're you know, kind of more forced inside and yeah. can do all these things. You know, I'm reminded of Mr. Rogers, uh, Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, when he would come into the house from the outside, the first thing he did uh, was you know, change his sweater and he changed his shoes. So what he brought in around him and what, you know, his, his feet were walking on uh, were removed and replaced with, oh, no, these are the shoes I wear here when we go to, you know, what was it, Imagination Land or something, uh, that, you know, and then the sweater. And then when he left, okay, bye, boys and girls, time to go. You know, he would change. <laughs> it kind of looked the same to me, and I didn't think it was really that dramatic, but they, they were sneakers. But it was something that said, we're in a different world now. We're in a different place. We're going to think differently. We're going to look at things differently. And, you know, try to find, try to find a way that you can maybe ritualize or, or even if it's just a piece of tape on the floor, <laughs> that when I cross this line, I'm off the clock. And when I cross back over it, yeah, I'm on the hook. And I'll, I'll worry about the laundry and everything later. I'm working now. Yeah. Yeah, recreate the ritual of of almost going into work and create create a, a a mental a mental space for yourself between those two things so those lines don't blur. That's a that's a great great idea. And you know, there's another idea I was thinking about as you were talking. You know, you could even go and you know walk around the block one time and then enter the house and now it's work time or something. You know, in the morning. Oh, that's brilliant. To try to like simulate a commute. Commute, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? It sounds silly, but this stuff 
this is the thing about the unconscious ritual and imagination and active imagination and dreams and all of that the unconscious does not know the difference between you know what you're imagining vividly and what is going on in our quote unquote quote unquote real world out here you know so you can that's why ritual is so effective and so powerful um, you have to invest yourself in it and create these these spaces for yourself and especially now when these lines are blurred like you said within um, home uh, between work and home and you know uh, work time and relaxation time and family time and all that you know create some some rituals and some different um, you know sort of place uh, I don't even kind of call it a, just like a, like a barrier between those things in, in essence, you know, so that, so that you, you know, within yourself, you know, there's a, there's, there's work time and then there's relaxation time and then there's family time. Um, and like you said, changing of clothes or, you know, like, like I pointed out, maybe a, a walk outside or something to commute. And that's great to do too after. So let's say you went and walked around the office. I mean, walked around the, the block and then and then went you know went and did your work for the day and then you you know stand up at the you know at the end of the day on you know your, at the end of your computer work and then you go outside and uh you know take a trip around the block again come back and you have to walk the other way walk the other way and now you're home yeah you know i mean it's it sounds somewhat silly yeah that, that's awesome it works those kinds of things can work and stuff you're saying like putting on a different hat or or a particular sweater or maybe you put on your shirt and tie or your you know your work outfit that you used to wear and it's like you know the kids know when you put on business clothes you know that's business time and and they have to you know go about their business or you know or you know what i'm saying it it, it just it creates a separation between those things and i think those are that's a really valuable thing so um, I think we're, 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 we're pretty near the end of this. Do you have anything else you want to add or is something that you feel like we missed that we, we need to cover really quickly or? Well, we hit a lot of stuff. Uh, we could talk, you know, again, for hours on, on this subject, uh, but maybe just to recap, um, you know, we talked about how America as a culture and many cultures in the West um, are by default, <laughs> Uh, more uh, of an extrovert uh, kind of orientation and to be forced on this introversion uh, is unsettling for all of us, maybe many of us, most of us individually, uh, but certainly there's a collective thing. So we're, there's a lot of us going through this, <laughs> the collective, uh, but it's not uncharted territory. You know, the myths and the stories, the wisdom traditions, um, tell us all about how to move through uh, the dark underworld, um, how to prepare uh, for this winter and anticipate the spring, uh, even the sun and the orbit of the earth uh, right now at this time are reinforcing this notion that it's getting darker and the days are getting shorter and it's getting colder. Spending more, We'd be spending more time inside anyway. Um, and um, this, uh, you know, this notion of, of putting, putting this space together. So if we're forcing this introversion, um, make best use of that space where we can um, you know, have some separation between the different parts of our day that we need to attend to. Um, so is there anything else we, to review? I think we did talk about a lot. I was trying to remember that. Yeah, yeah, we talked about quite a bit of stuff. Um, that's, those are great points. Um, this is uh, kind of off topic, but I had a couple of ideas for, you know, for, for books, if people are interested in reading any books in this area. Uh, Finding Meaning at Midlife, uh, the Hollis, James Hollis book is excellent. Even if you're not yet in midlife, you're kind of in a midlife situation right now, even if you're a young person. Uh, there's ideas in there that kind of uh, can show you how to work through some of these introverted kind of you know thrown back in on the psyche kind of you know isolated depressed feelings that you may be having uh, even if you're not you know technically at, at midlife you're going through a similar thing so that might be helpful also um uh, robert johnson's inner work book is very very helpful uh with the ritual type stuff and with kind of understanding how to work with dreams 
which may be coming up really strongly now and so on, some of the things that you can do individually uh, on that. So those are a couple of ideas uh, for that. And again, to remember that, you know, the, the underworld time and the winter time are a, a cyclical part, a natural part of life. And even though this has been kind of thrust upon us, uh, we didn't ask for it specifically. Uh, we know that, you know, the cyclical nature of life is that we will come into spring. Uh, so have hope and have faith that, you know, things will get better and things will get back to some semblance of, of normal. And, you know, we won't, it won't feel so dark and heavy after about, and also that, you know, you, you do get used to, uh, you know, you do get used to a more introverted lifestyle after a period of time. Uh, and then, you know, in some ways it may balance out an overly kind of extroverted life where you weren't really even thinking about some of the stuff that was, you know, that, that it was kind of in your soul that needed attention. So look at the, the positives in it, you know, if you can, uh, and try to concentrate on those, that, you know, especially in the darker times and in the more challenging times. Um, lastly, you know, try to maybe you know, work on some of those challenges. For example, if, you know, whatever age you are, if you're not feeling comfortable being around people or talking face to face with people and, you know, your social life obviously is shot to hell, uh, do make sure you take time to do some Zoom or FaceTime calls with people, Skype, whatever you're using, um, you know, and do some face to face stuff, especially if you live by yourself and you don't get out and you're, and you're only, you know, you're just working online and so on. It's like, it's crucial. It's just crucial and get out of the house uh, walk you know get near trees go to parks uh, you know get away from from your your inside stuff and and do something even if it's you know obviously it's not going to be in groups and all this but you know work within the you know the bounds of whatever the the the, the situation is where you live but do get outside as much as you can uh, and, and, you know, look up at the sky and the sun and get out and look at the stars and the moon at times and just reconnect to the fact that, you know, you're a human being on this planet and you're not just connected to a computer all day long. Um, so, I mean, I think that's, that's about it, unless, unless you got anything. anything no, that's great. Thanks for that. Uh, we're, again, I mean, we're, you know, we're here each week for you guys and we're praying. And if there's something you want to talk about or you want us to talk about, please uh, don't hesitate to hit us up at info at cosmiceye.org. Uh, you know, check us out at, at cosmiceye.org as well. Uh, and if you can, like, like, like we said, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to get this show out to more people. So please uh, donate if you can at anchor.fm slash cosmiceye. Um, you know, we're, our thoughts and prayers are with you. Uh, so stay strong out there and keep working through the underworld and spring will come. We will get out of this. Thank you again, Chris. Great, uh, great stuff today. I appreciate your help. Yeah, thank you. All right, everyone have a great uh, week. We'll be back here next week. Goodbye and God bless. <laughs>